This program is brought to you by Suffolk University. Please visit us on the web at www.suffolk.edu. Sherry Arcadiacono. I'm the legal counsel for CEDO.com here in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and we are a marketplace for the buying and selling of domain names. Basically, during the dot-com boom of the 90s, there were a group of individuals who had some outstanding foresight to register generic words and phrases as domain names, which ultimately became the most extremely valuable domain names of today. And after this boom happened, the pool of really good quality domain names had vastly depleted. And the creation of the domain name aftermarket has given individuals, business, businesses, web developers, etc., the opportunity to regain those names that would otherwise be off the block. Here in the United States, a company called Great Domains, which is now owned by CEDO, as well as another company called Afternic, were really the pioneers of what is known as the United States domain name aftermarket or secondary domain market. And this all happened back in the late 90s. CEDO was really the pioneer in the European market, but CEDO, what makes us unique from the other companies is that we were also really the first marketplace in the world to recognize the international nature of the domain name industry and that in today's globalization of business and everything, really, one can only succeed with building an international multilingual marketplace, and that's really what we did. So just to give you an idea, a little bit of background on the origins of CEDO, we were created when our developers had registered a bunch of domain names related to soccer. They had a fantasy soccer match over in Germany, and they really didn't have any use for the remaining names that they decided to not use and said, you know, wouldn't it be great if there was somewhere for us to sell these names? I mean, our CEO had written his master's thesis on creating a search engine for domain offers, which was really the foundation of CEDO. Similarly to how you would never sell a six- or seven-figure home without a broker, Domain name brokers serve the same purpose in the industry. For a seller, a brokerage service for a six- or seven-figure domain name is practically indispensable these days. The seller is given a dedicated broker. Uh, that broker will negotiate a sale on their behalf. The broker really goes out into the domain name community as well as to any relevant businesses and really pounds the pavement, marketing that name on the owner's behalf. And we have a whole pool of different businesses and people and domain companies and bricks and mortar companies that really run the gamut of contacts. So it is so specialized to that seller. Um, another great feature that's very attractive to sellers and buyers also is we hold a strict adherence to confidentiality to ensure that the seller or the buyer's identity remains anonymous throughout the negotiation process. And we represent businesses of all stages of development, from startups all the way up to nationally and world-recognizable brands. And many of these companies want to remain anonymous as they don't want their prominence in any particular industry to affect a sale or a negotiation. So just to give you an idea, some recent sales that I personally have been involved in here at CEDO, we just recently sold sex.com for $13 million. That was actually part of a bankruptcy proceeding. About a year ago, year and a half, we sold Invest.com for $1.15 million, and Angels.com was purchased by Major League Baseball for $250,000. Domain parking is when an individual registers a domain name without using it for such services as email or a website. So they basically don't put any content or 
develop anything with the URL. And this is done for a number of reasons. It could be done to reserve the name for future development. It could preserve it so that others don't register the name that you might want to use down the road. And it's really classified into two groups, monetized and non-monetized. So all that that means is that the owner is either drawing revenue from the URL or they're not. So a non-monetized page, which would be a page that did not draw revenue, would show an under construction or coming soon or building the page message. Or sometimes it could just be a generic message that the registrar would put up if you hadn't done anything with your domain name. A monetized page, which is a page that does bring revenue to the domain owner, would display advertisements that are either relative to the domain name or relative to the future content that you'd like to have on that page. And the registrant just makes a little bit of money off of it while they're waiting to do something with their domain name. So it's a great way to promote the sale of domain names. And it also, you know, puts a little bit of money in the domain owner's pocket when they're not ready to develop the name. So I'm sure you're wondering where does CETO fall in all of this. CETO is really a one-stop shop for domain owners. We're a complete solution for domain buying, selling, and monetization of domain names and websites. Our marketplace features over 15 million diverse domains internationally in more than 2,000 categories. And the way that our system works is an offer-counter-offer system. We also have an auction platform. We offer five languages, um, English, British, English, Spanish, French, and German. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we also power greatdomains.com, which is the home of premium.com and .net names. In addition to all of that, we also offer, like we said, premium exclusive brokerage services for buyers and sellers appraisal services, and monetization services. We do all of this in our secure site. We offer transfer and escrow services for domain names. And we really understand the importance, as I mentioned earlier, of that international component. We actually play an extremely unique role in the intersection of trademark law and domain names. As you can imagine, with a marketplace of over 15 million domain names in all these different languages, it is so difficult to know which terms are trademarks in which languages. And we're constantly working to balance the right of domain owners, which are our clients, um, and free speech, while we're also watching out for the trademark owners' rights and other intellectual property rights holders. And mainly what we strive for the most within the domain name industry is to continue to be recognized as a legitimate business. And we do that through education and working closely with our clients and also with our complainants. And what's really funny about this is some of our biggest complainants through the years have actually become our clients. So we do that through a couple of different things. We maintain what's called an RPP. It's the Rights Protection Policy and Procedure. This is our formal complaint procedure, and it gives intellectual property rights holders really a streamlined process for submitting complaints regarding domain names that they believe might infringe on one of their clients or on their marks. Uh, we encourage rights holders to use the RPP process so we can help them to protect their intellectual property. We do suspend domain names that we find might be infringing or have a substantial likelihood of infringing on someone's mark. And we also do cancel our users' accounts for repeat offenders, but we do work very hard to try to balance the rights. 
we also have a security and compliance team that helps us a lot with this process. And through education, as I mentioned earlier, we participate in INTA, which is the International Trademark Association. We go to all the meetings. We're at all the conferences promoting the domain industry and this balance of rights. We're also founding members of the ICA, which is the Internet Commerce Association. That was founded in 2006. It's a nonprofit trade organization that represents domain investors and developers in the direct search industry. And what we do within this group is to promote and share best practices amongst participants in the domain industry and to educate consumers, policymakers, lawmakers, and the media about the value and benefits of direct navigation in the search and domain name industry. The most valuable domain names by far are generic terms. Short one to two word domain names, two to three letter and number domain names, and basically any domain name that has absolutely no connection with any known trademark is going to be the most valuable domain name. One of the main issues that we've been combating through the trademark and domain name community, it's sort of the biggest battle that goes back and forth, I think, is that despite the limitations that the Lanham Act places on trademark rights, most trademark holders believe that the laws under trademark law and under the Lanham Act give the trademark holder the right to any domain name that really resembles their trademark. And this just really isn't the case. Most domain names have multiple uses, and outside of famous trademarks, most domain owners are entitled to a first-to-register right to own the domain name. Just to give you an example, Target.com, as everyone knows by now, Target is a humongous discount retailer, but Target.com could technically have more generic fair uses of that domain name outside of the mark. Target is just a generic word. Of course, when you combine it with a discount retailer, that gives it a whole new meaning. But outside of that trademark, it does have many legitimate uses. So that is really one of the biggest issues that we see all the time. Internationally, we've all realized by now that the internet is multi-jurisdictional. It can be accessed anywhere, anytime, any country. Um, it doesn't matter. It's a global medium by this point. Some of the biggest issues that I personally have seen within the industry is that the European view of intellectual property versus the U.S. view is the European view takes a more of a strict liability standard. You're liable by virtue of the fact that you own a domain name that contains a trademark or it contains a term that's same or similar to someone's trademark. That's probably the biggest difference because the U.S., that, it doesn't work that way here. We've seen a lot of very interesting things come out of France. For us also, we have some marketplace issues due to the international nature and language where, you know, a word might be a generic term in one language, but it actually might be a trademark here in the U.S., so battling that out. And we've seen WIPO really take an increasingly more involvement with domain name issues over the past few years. WIPO is the World Intellectual Property Organization. There are currently 184 member states, and this is over 90% of the countries of the world participating in the World Intellectual Property Organization. The UDRP is the Uniform Domain Name Dispute Resolution Policy, which is administered by WIPO. It is an administrative proceeding. And when you register a domain name, 
each and every registrant that owns a domain name agrees through their registry agreement with their registrar that they will be bound to UDERP and WIPO's administrative proceeding. And it's very, very similar to and actually based on the ACPA, which is the Anti-Cybersquatting Consumer Protection Act. The problem with that act is that it's a federal U.S. law. It brings up jurisdictional issues. If you have someone, say, for example, in Italy who owns a domain name that you think is the same or similar to your trademark, you know, finding that person, proving the jurisdiction, there's a high cost in that. There's a very long timeline for a full-blown federal lawsuit. And the UDRP is a very quick, relatively inexpensive, between $1,500 and $2,500 to get that going. And everyone is bound to it. So someone who registers that domain name in Italy is bound to the same rules that someone who registers domain names here in the U.S. So that makes it very, very simple. The purpose of the UDRP is to administer disputes over top-level domain names, so .com, .net, .org, .biz, etc., via a mandatory administrative proceeding that is conducted by one of the accredited arbitration organizations by WIPO. And they look to resolve a claim of abusive or bad faith registration constituting trademark infringement. So in that proceeding, the complainant must prove three things, that the domain name is identical or confusingly similar to a trademark or service mark in which the complainant has rights. Number two, that the domain owner has no legitimate interest or right in respect to the domain name at issue. And three, that the domain has been registered and being used in bad faith. Most of these UDRP cases turn on that bad faith prong. Just to give you a little example, a few years back now, the brand Kenneth Cole, they had branded a certain part of their business with the term reaction. And prior to this, a gentleman had registered the domain name reaction.com. He had used it in connection with whatever business that he was doing online. His business did not succeed, and he still owned that domain name as a business asset. So bad faith, probably not. He had a legitimate business interest in owning this domain name. Kenneth Cole called him up and said, hey, I want to buy your domain for XYZ amount of money. And he said, you know, actually, I had a business in conjunction with this, and I think it's worth XYZ. And they turned around and they slapped him with a UDERP. Well, in this particular case, the WIPO panel held that because he did have that domain name as part of a legitimate business asset, he did have a right in owning that name, and there wasn't bad faith. That's just one example where a domain owner had succeeded in their fight. But a couple of other factors to consider when looking at bad faith would be, did the registrant purposely register the domain name with the purpose of reselling or transferring it back to a trademark owner or service mark owner? Did they register the domain name to prevent the owner of the trademark or service mark to get that name, whether they registered the domain name for the purpose of disrupting business or to intentionally attract for commercial gain internet users to that website 
to create a likelihood of confusion. So, I mean, those are just a handful of the different things that we're seeing. But I, I would say in my experience and the cases that I've read for UDRPs that most of the cases turn on that bad faith prong. Reverse domain name hijacking is often when a trademark owner attempts to secure a domain name by alleging false cyber squatting claims against the domain name's rightful owner. And generally what happens is the domain name owner is intimidated by the fact that this big trademark owner is calling them and contacting them, and they end up transferring the ownership of their domain name to the trademark owners to avoid legal action, particularly when the names belong to smaller organizations or individuals they feel threatened by the larger companies. Just to give you a little example of, this is not a real case, but if just a really good, clear example of how this would work in practice, is if you had a domain name that was, say, of a vacation spot. So say it was bostoncommon.com and that there were hotels in Boston Common, and it was a place where people would come and visit. And then, say, 10 years, and you've owned this domain name, it's a developed website, et cetera. And then, say, 10 years down the road, a television show comes along that becomes very popular, and that television show is called Boston Common. If that television show then went to the smaller individual and said, you're using our name, you're cyber squatting, this is trademark infringement, you need to give it back to us, and then that smaller individual with this vacation website is forced to give that name to the trademark owner with this big television show, that would be a really good example of how reverse domain hijacking would work. When I first came on to CEDO, it was early in 2006. The trademark community, as well as the consuming public, really did not know, I personally didn't know, that a domain name industry existed. We were getting letters from trademark owners that it made it very clear that they just had no idea what, what we were what we were all about, saying that you stole our domains, what are you doing? And both the general counsel and myself have made a great effort to go out there and educate trademark owners and the trademark community as well as the consuming public of what CEDO is how we are market leaders in this industry. I mean, if you look to our website, CEDO.com, you'll see that there, you know, our name is all over our website. There's actually contact phone numbers and addresses, and we are, in fact, a legitimate business. Um, and the biggest thing that has made a difference in this industry is that education because people are seeing that domain names are such an integral part of business. They're a huge part of intellectual property now. It is almost that you can't even have a business without having some sort of online presence, even if that online presence is a Google map with your business name and address. People, end users, are searching for everything on the Internet. They're not going to a newspaper. They're not going to a magazine. So that presence on the Internet is so important, and I think combined with what we're doing here at CEDO and the development of the Internet and search and all that fun stuff, we've really been able to be market leaders and to show that the domain name industry is, in fact, legitimate and it isn't going anywhere. I think that is the biggest thing that's changed since I've been here. There's also been a huge push amongst the trademark community 
against cyber squatting and against the negative sides of the domain name industry. And that has also brought a lot of awareness. But we have been extremely lucky to be at the forefront of this industry and really shaping the industry. I think that as the law develops and as the international nature grows here, that could be a challenge. As we also see, it's very hard to predict what the next technological advances are going to be with regards to the internet and the domain name industry. But people often ask me, you know, you work in internet law. Doesn't that make you nervous? You really don't know what the law is. But I see it as an exciting challenge and such a great place to be on the cutting edge of developing law and developing technology. And I really only see good things for the future for this industry as we grow and develop. I do see some challenges with regards to always the jurisdictional issue is always going to be a challenge or, you know, groups that are fighting against domain names. Believe it or not, there are groups that actually do that. But I think if we just continue to be market leaders and continue to be above the board and transparent and really fighting for what we do, then I think we'll have a great time with it. This preceding program was brought to you by Suffolk University. Please visit us on the web at www.suffolk.edu.